So did you notice Nick was here this morning? Yep. So um, we're a praise of God for that. And uh, if, if you're new around here and you're like, yeah, so what? Nick was here. Well, uh, Nick hasn't been here for like a month because he has been traveling the wide world and, and ministering uh, in Ukraine on behalf of Grace Fellowship and the body of Christ. So uh, I know that many of you have been praying for him for the last several weeks and would want to hear a little bit more about uh, his trip. So I don't know where he is. There he is. I'm like scanning. Come on up, Nick. Um, you guys can welcome him as he comes up. So I just want to give you a minute. First of all, I'm glad you're awake. That's very impressive. Uh, he is entirely jet lagged. And so, um, you know what, once you've milked that for about three days, though, that's it. You need to, you need to be at work on time from now on. Okay, that's... Yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to know, uh, to just kind of fill everybody in, if anybody doesn't know, where did you go and what did you do? What, where, was this just a vacation or what happened? Yeah, it was a vacation, I thought. Not Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> to Ukraine, I thought a war zone would be the best Yeah, that's a good idea, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did go to Ukraine. Um, as far as why, uh, well, actually, let me back up. The, the main places that I focused on was we had our main base in Kiev. I paired up with an organization called YWAM, uh, which is uh, Youth with Mission. And um, from there, we went further east towards a, a city called Chernikiv. And then out of Chernikiv, I think the gate might be on there. Uh, nope, okay. It's Why just change mics? All right. Cool. Keep talking, and um, he'll yeah. come up, and no one will notice. All right. So the, uh, uh, after we went to Chernikiv, we went to the surrounding villages and uh, ministered to a lot of the different villages out there. And um, sweet. Check, check, check. Cool. See, nobody noticed. Um, when, I, when I first arrived, I thought I was going to be part of the building team, and um, I'm happy to report that I was not. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get to the other stuff later, but uh, I start off as the evangelism worship team. So we got to go to the building sites and minister to the people that we were giving temporary housing to, uh, which was an amazing experience. Um, there's nothing like being uh, given words of wisdom and, and uh, speaking truth into people's lives that uh, they knew about and just being able to hear it from an outside source really changed their, their hearts and you can see uh, their faces light up. Um, I shared with Pastor that I actually did not know what I was going to do after the first week. And so um, thanks to no small part of your prayers here, uh, that prayer was answered within three days of the second week. Somebody walked up to me and said, hey, do you want to go to Poltava, which is a city that is about 50, 60 miles away from the conflict, so uh, the Russian border. And um, so there I did get to work with the construction team and uh, everything in between where I got to be chef and uh, for a women's event, um, I got to, uh, well, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> but uh, So Poltavo was interesting because we were trying to build these foundations for these new homes for the, the next uh, project that was going to arrive, and uh, we were musically gifted with the Ukrainian military 
detonating mines in the distance so that uh, villagers didn't have to step on them. If you could just get the beat down to where they're blowing them up right on the downbeat. <laughs> so we're, we're working through rubble and we were uh, establishing cement foundations and then just kind of off in the distance we heard um, so that was interesting at first, and, and then you just kind of get used to it. Um, yeah, so we did a lot. Yeah, so th back up a little bit and tell us why you went in the first place. We know there's, there's war happening over there. We know there's a lot of displaced people. Why you, what, why did you even go? Yeah, um, Ukraine's actually been on my heart for almost a decade, um, and I just never had a good reason to go. Um, like I made friends over there. I tried learning the language uh, about seven years ago. Uh, I myself am a second generation Ukrainian. And so I wanted to kind of get in touch with my roots and uh, speak to my grandma and try and impress her. And then it turned into this. So um, God put Ukraine on my heart a long time ago. And then once the war hit, I knew this was something that I had to do. Um, so it's very difficult to explain a tugging on the heart, but um, hopefully everybody who has been walking with God for a while knows what that feels like, and that's exactly what it was for me. Uh, it was very much a tugging on the heart to do something about uh, the injustice that was happening. So can you give us an update on what's going on over there, what the conditions are, how we can be praying for the people of Ukraine? It's rough. Um, Poltava itself is a city or a village side technically where uh, it's actually changed hands between the two forces about seven or eight times. Um, so we happened to be there while it was still on the Ukrainian side. Um, it's interesting talking to people because at first they're very straight-faced and cold and then you talk to them and they open up and they're very cheerful and happy, and they welcome you in like one of their own. Uh, and then just underneath that surface, there's a lot of uh, mourning and pain. So um, pray for them. They, they need strength and endurance that they can't uh, form on their own. Um, I won't go into details about some of the stories that they shared with us, but just if you would think of your worst nightmare, they probably had that happen to them is how bad it is. Um, so there's a lot of people recovering, um, a lot of people who cannot sleep thinking about their loved ones. Um, so there's a lot of pain, um, a lot of destruction. So um, continued prayer. Yeah, for sure. Talk with us a little bit about how you were impacted by going. How has it impacted you? Uh, tremendously. Um, this, this trip has been something that's been on my heart since before the war. So um, seeing how God answered that prayer after about seven years and all the other prayers that he answered that I forgot that I had prayed, uh, I would experience just in, in random passersby and, and uh, like there's a New Zealand couple that that just popped up out of nowhere one day and didn't see them after that. And they just kind of blessed me with some information from God. And, and I was like, oh, wow, that's, those are the exact prayers that I've heard. And now they're being repeated back to me. Um, so being able to experience God's faithfulness in the midst of everything that was going on uh, had a huge impact. It, it, it made me see 
practically how all of your prayers helped and uh, things where God like would answer these prayers within minutes of me praying it. And it was the faithfulness of God and the, uh, the lovingness of God was so tangible. And it, it, coming back here, it's really given me a different view when it comes to uh, the lost and um, even towards like my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask about that with, you know, knowing that you had a church family here that was praying for you, was supporting you financially, whatever practical ways that we could, like, what kind of impact does that make? I'm, I'm trying to get at that this was not just a you thing, it was an us thing. How did you experience that? Uh, well, there was a very young married couple, uh, Serki and Lisa, and they were like early 20s, and um, the way that they, well, to put it this way, they weren't part of YWAM. They weren't part of the organization that we were with. We teamed up with them. It was a local church in uh, Chernikiv, and every single time that we went to the surrounding villages, we had to go through multiple, multiple checkpoints uh, with the military. Um, in case you're not aware, if you are a male of fighting age and you go through one of those checkpoints and they happen to need more military, they will draft you on the spot. And uh, so every time we went through that checkpoint, he was risking being drafted uh, also that he can accomplish God's will in the surrounding villages. And you could see in uh, his wife's neck, the pounding of her heart and just the veins popping out. And every single time, she just felt that gasp of relief. Um, I think as a church body, to hopefully we don't have to experience that here, right? But as a church body, knowing and realizing that God's call on our lives is vastly more important than what's happening around us. And being able to lift each other up in prayer and bearing each other's burdens and doing that in a practical sense. Um, and I count prayer as being practical. Um, but anything that you feel where it's like this person needs encouragement, don't delay because it feels uncomfortable. Um, if you feel like this person really needs to hear some encouragement, don't hold that in and think, oh, I don't know if that's going to be too weird or... No, just you have to say it. Like they they need that. Um, sometimes it's really a lifeline. Um, so that support that um, they need, that we need as a church body, and um, I, I felt your prayers, and and I experienced the the answering of them. So like it it did something, and it did something amazing through God. So awesome. So how then can we pray for you now that you're back? How can we be praying for the situation over there? Um, how are you doing? <laughs> so good, 30 seconds or less. How are you doing? No, t- really. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still hurting. I, I, I want to go back. Uh, I know that th- this month they're going to be talking about when the next uh, wave they call them or like the projects that they do. Um, they're, they're my friends. They're, they're people that I've come to know and love, and I don't want to see them in pain. So uh, the only time I felt this kind of way was when I was leaving home to serve in another ministry in Tennessee, 
and I felt that way leaving Ukraine. And um, I, I miss everybody. And I'm worried about them, and, and I want to make sure that they're taken care of. So um, the way you can help me with that is continued prayer and support and um, pray for them. They, they let me know. Like, they know when people are praying for them. And they, they see God interact with the, the world around them based on people being faithful to pray and to have that interaction and intercession with God. You know, we try to avoid hard situations and we try to keep our lives comfortable and all that kind of stuff, but, but it's often in these times where we are not enough for ourselves that we're aware of that, that we really see God and experience Him doing amazing things. So it's not a good thing at all that those people are going through all of that, but it's an amazing thing how God uses even the worst things in life to draw people to Himself. So... Um, why don't we just go ahead and take a minute as a congregation and pray for them and uh, lift them up to the Lord. Father, we just come before you now um, as people who feel somewhat uh, ill-equipped to fix what's broken in the world. There's, there's war in Ukraine and a lot of injustice and a lot of broken lives and Ukraine is not the only place. There are many, many places where this is going on, many refugees, many difficult situations. And Lord, we pray that you would give us your compassion, that, that we would not be able to just walk through our lives in relative comfort and ease without caring. And, and we pray that that care would be translated into prayer and practical steps. And we thank you for the example of our brother Nick, who said, I'm going to do something and went and did something. And I pray, Father, that each one of us would have that same perspective as we, as we look around us. It might be something we can do in our own neighborhoods. It might be something we have to travel far or, or make a sacrifice. But I pray that you would make us people who are not willing to be content knowing that people are suffering. Help us, Father, to invest in transformation. Thank you so much for giving Nick this opportunity. Thank you for answering our prayers by using him over there. And thank you, God, for bringing him back safely to us. We're so glad that he's here. But we pray that as he makes this transition and his heart is still heavy for the people in Ukraine, that you would just comfort him and guide him and show him exactly what his role is now from a distance. And we thank you and praise you, and we look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, bro. Thank you. So uh, since our time this morning <clears throat> is limited, uh, I want to get straight to God's Word. So grab your Bibles, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 1 this morning, and uh, I want to just dive right into it uh, in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. Now, Mark is the second book of your New Testament, it goes Matthew, then Mark, so find Mark chapter 1 right at the beginning of Mark. And uh, as you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of background. Mark just dives right in. Matthew and Luke give us a Christmas story. They give us genealogies. They give us a lot of background. 
Mark just starts at the beginning and goes, here's what happened. He begins with Jesus' baptism um, right after he's, he introduces John the Baptist. Then he says, okay, here's Jesus being baptized. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. He gives us like one verse about that. And then he moves right into Jesus' public ministry where Jesus returns to Galilee, which is his hometown. He returns to Galilee and he begins preaching and ministering there in Galilee and uh, there's healing that's taking place through his ministry. And so he's getting people's attention because the word is spreading quickly that there is this rabbi who is traveling through the area. Some people even claim that they remember him as a child, but now here he is and he's come back into town and when he touches the lame, they're healed. When he speaks, the blind can see, and his reputation is beginning to build. And so he's just called some of his disciples. He's got Peter and Andrew and, and James and John, and these guys are traveling with him along with a few others, Philip and Nathaniel and some, and they go to uh, Peter's house. And when they get to Peter's house, um, Peter's uh, mother-in-law is sick. And so the first thing that we have recorded is that he just walks to her bed where she's near death with a fever and just touches her hand and lifts her up. And by the time she's on her feet, she's completely healed and the fever is gone. And the word is just spreading like wildfire. Now, we're going to pick it up in verse 29. It says this, immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came to the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. He came to her, raised her up, taken her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. So, so we get this introduction where he, he does this practical blessing for Peter and his family, and now she is restored completely. It's kind of a funny thing that Mark says. He, he raised her up and she waited on them. It's like they wouldn't have had dinner, so they healed her and now they got somebody to cook. <laughs> but that I don't think is the reason that he tells us that. He's trying to let us see that she goes from lying in her deathbed to returning completely to her normal life with full strength in just the touch of Jesus. And it's an incredible thing. And guys, sometimes we take for granted the incredible things that Jesus does. And he touches lives and heals people and restores marriages and brings people into salvation. And we just kind of yawn because we're used to it. We read these Bible stories. We see Jesus doing amazing things. And we're like, yeah, I heard that one before. What's on the next page? Don't stop. Don't, don't miss the fact that Jesus has compassion Mark records that over and over. He says, feeling compassion, Jesus reached out and touched somebody and healed them. And, and he felt compassion for Peter, for his wife, for his mother-in-law. And so he heals her. And, and again, the word is going out. You can't believe the stuff this guy can do. Now, pick it up in verse 32. <clears throat> when evening came, after the sun had set... They began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city gathered at the door. She was sick in bed half an hour ago. Now she is the hostess for the whole city. 
Everybody has gathered at the door. The word spreads like wildfire, and they're bringing to him anybody who's got a broken fingernail all the way up to people who have to be carried on pallets and demon-possessed people who are wild and out of their minds, and they're bringing these people to Jesus, and he begins a healing ministry. Verse 34, he healed many who were ill with various diseases. He cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. So all of this happens after dinner. It says, after the sun had set, they began bringing him all who were ill and demon-possessed. So it's nighttime. It's dark. They've already had a full day. And now the crowds begin to show up. And, and they just set aside whatever their plans were for rest. They set aside whatever their plans were for strategizing and meetings and whatever they were going to do. And they just begin ministering to these people. And Jesus is casting out demons and healing the sick. And it's going on all night. And the whole city is gathered at the door. There is a line stretching down the street of people just waiting for their chance. If you've ever been in the emergency room on a Friday night, you know what we're talking about. The place is packed and everybody's got to take a number and you're going to wait hours because that's how long it takes because of the crowd. And so <clears throat> all night long, he ministers to these people. Verse 35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And every time I read that verse, I think, man, I can relate to that. Can't you relate to that? If you're a mom, you can relate to this. Everyone is looking for you. I need two minutes to go to the bathroom by myself. Nope, sorry, three kids in the house, you know, that's not going to happen. Everyone is looking for you. Jesus lived this life from this point on, where wherever he went, everyone was looking for him. And, and he has gone away, he walked away from the crowd, he went to a place, and what is he doing? Praying. Doesn't that blow your mind? Jesus, the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, the all-powerful one, the one who speaks and the demons have to obey him. The one who touches and the leprosy leaves people. The one with all of that power still goes away to a secluded place to have a time of devotional prayer with the Father. Guys, I wish we would just learn from Jesus about this. I wish we would just come to understand how important it is for every little thing that God has called us to be about, whether it's to be a good husband, a good wife, a good parent, to be a good employee, to be a good boss, to, to teach a Bible study, to, to uh, love our kids well, whatever it is that God has called us to do, we can't do it on our own strength. God has to do it through us. And so Jesus goes seeking this special time relationally with his father, and he's away in a secluded place praying. And you go, yeah, I, I envy that because I, I can never get time away. You know, there's no, no place where anybody leaves me alone. I never get any time. You know what? Everyone in town was in line waiting to see him. 
and he prioritized prayer. He went and prayed. And they finally found him and they said, Lord, everyone is looking for you. Which is really interesting. Verse 38. He said to them, let's go somewhere else. Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. And I'm, I'm going to just be honest with you. I struggle with this passage. Because, because as a minister, my dream come true is that there would just be a never-ending crowd of people looking for Jesus. That there would just be people who, who can't wait to hear what you have to share. People who need prayer, and they're coming because they need prayer. And the, and the Spirit is drawing people. This is like a dream come true. Imagine every seat in the auditorium is full, every parking space in the lot is full. The police are directing traffic out front. There's a line that goes out the window and people are going, I just need to get into Grace Fellowship. I heard there's something great going on there. I heard God is doing great things. As a pastor, I'm not leaving. I'm staying all day. I'll stay all night. We'll, we'll go into Monday, Tuesday. You guys know I'll stay a long time. You've been here. And, and that's what I dream about. And Jesus just when the crowd gets big, walks away from the crowd. And, and by the way, this is a Jesus who does what he does out of compassion. And to leave these people, he has to walk by a guy in a wheelchair, a guy in a stretcher, a guy who's out of his mind because he's possessed by a demon, a guy with a, a cane trying to find his way because he's blind. And Jesus walks right past all of them with the power to fix their situation. He walks right past all of them and says, let's go somewhere else. And I, and I look at that and I'm like, far be it for me to second guess Jesus, but that's not what they taught us in seminary. That's not how you do ministry. You don't walk away from people who need to be touched by God. And that's what he did. It's a strange, strange thing to do. He's in his hometown. He, he is among family and friends. These are the people he knows. These are the people he grew up with. These are the people that he cares about. Everyone is thrilled with what is going on. He's getting great reports in the press. Everybody's excited about this. There's a line of people who want what he has to offer. He's experiencing ministry success right at the beginning of his ministry. It's like if you were a church planter and you started a little home Bible study and 3,000 people showed up the first night. That is success in church planting right there. That's what Jesus had, and he walks away from it. And if your ministry is going that well, there is a famous quote. It's not in the Bible. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? The ministry is humming right now. This is as good as it's going to get and Jesus walks away. Why on earth would Jesus make the decision to leave that town and instead go somewhere else? I mean, why not just, if you have the healing power of Jesus, why not just open a clinic 
and just heal people all day, every day. If you have the preaching ability of Jesus, why not just go to the busiest square in the busiest city in the world and just preach and have people hear the gospel? Why would you ever walk away? It would have been fruitful ministry if he stayed there. It would have made him famous. It would have been very comfortable and easy to do. Why do what he did? He gives us the answer. He says, let's go somewhere else. That's what I came for. Isn't it fascinating to realize this is the greatest healer of all time and he didn't come to heal. Healing was something he simply did since he was there. Since I'm here and there's a lot of demon-possessed people, let me just cast out some demons. Since I'm here and I see this person with a broken body and I feel compassion, let me just heal this person with a broken body. But he did not come to be a healer. And Jesus walks away from people who need to be healed. Why? Because that is what I came for, to go from town to town, meeting more people and sharing the gospel with them. Remember this, Jesus left the throne of heaven to come to earth to be born as a human being. He left the worship of angels in order to deal with the rejection of men. Why? He told us the answer when he did uh, something that uh, nobody understood, another thing nobody understood. Remember the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man? He, He climbs up a tree, Jesus sees him, tells him to come down. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, he's someone we do not speak to. As Jews, we hate these guys. They are traitors to our people, they're getting rich off the backs of their people, and everyone despises them. Zacchaeus is drawn to Jesus. Jesus sees him, calls him down from the tree and says, you know what? Invite all your friends over. I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. And the Pharisees, yea, verily, verily, freaketh out. (laughs) And they're like, why in the world is this guy, he's a rabbi. Why is he gonna go to a party? You know, they have an open bar at this party. They have rock and roll music at this party. They use real rocks in those days. They, they, this is not the crowd that rabbis hang out with. Why is he doing this? And Jesus answers it. Just You're in Mark. Luke is the next book to your right. Flip over to Luke chapter 19. He answers the question. He, he's just called Zacchaeus down. Uh, let's just pick it up uh, in, say, verse uh, 8. Now let's pick it up in verse 7. Luke 19, 7. When they saw it, these are the Pharisees, they all began to grumble saying, he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'll give to the poor and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But but Jesus, there's a whole line of religious guys who want to talk to you. I'm going to Zacchaeus' party. I don't have time to come to church. 
I'm going to Zacchaeus' party. But Jesus, there's a whole line of sick people who need to get healed. Yeah, but I'm going to another town. Why? Because that is what I came for. Here's the point. Jesus was not interruptible by everyone else's agenda. He was on the Father's agenda. He said, I don't do anything the Father doesn't give me to do. I don't say anything the Father doesn't give me to say. I came for a reason. He didn't make his decisions based on what would be more comfortable. What would be more comfortable is to stay in Galilee and just be a celebrity healer. But that is not what he came for. He didn't settle for the status quo. He had already chosen to leave the status quo in the comfort of heaven where angels worship him. Why? It was for the same reason that he ate with tax gatherers and sinners. It was the same reason that he traveled through Samaria and ministered to the woman at the well. It was the same reason that he did not call down legions of angels to wipe out the Roman soldiers when they dared to nail him to a cross. His mission was to seek and to save the lost. And when he left, he told us to carry out that mission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. And that's what guided his practical choices day in and day out, which almost always cost him something. Almost always made him and others uncomfortable. A few weeks ago, we made an announcement at Grace Fellowship that we have decided to add a second service on Sunday mornings to our Sunday morning worship schedule. Uh, and by the way, um, just in case you, you're not aware, uh, that, like Jesus, is a decision that we made with very much prayer. But it begs the obvious question, why? Things are going so well. There's empty seats in the room. It's not like there's no way we could fit another 10 people in here. Why do this? If things are going this well, why make a change now? We have finally rebounded from the effects of the pandemic. Why make a change now? The reason is simple. God has called us to reach this community for Christ and make disciples of all nations and change the world. That's why. That's the only reason. He has directed us to love God, love people, and change the world. And that is simply not about our comfort. It's about our calling. And, and, and we've missed the opportunity to minister to people over the last six months or so because on many occasions when someone arrived on a Sunday morning, they couldn't find a parking place and they turned around and drove out. Because numerous times in the last six months or so, when they did find a parking space, but they were five to ten minutes late, by the time that they came in, they couldn't find seats for their family of five altogether. And many times we've heard from people now that while they were running just a little bit late and having a little time getting all the kids ready to go in the morning, they just said, you know what, um, forget it, we'll just stay home and watch on TV. Now, let me just say, to those of you who are watching... 
I am overwhelmingly glad that we now have this great online ministry and there are people around the world that are able to watch us live and throughout the week. I am overwhelmingly glad about that. And we're going to continue to do that. But if you've watched at home and if you've been here in person, you know it's not the same thing. It is much more difficult to engage in worship uh, while you're sitting at home. And it is much more nearly impossible to engage in relationships with people while you're doing that. And so we are thrilled that it's an option and we want people to take that option while they uh, need it. You're out of town, you're too sick to come, you've got an um, issue that holds you up. We're thrilled that you can do it online now. But you cannot worship together with the body of Christ separate from one another. And so... Um, while it's great that people can stay home, there are times when people who don't need to stay home are choosing to stay home because of, because of it's easier. Um, many people have been forced to choose between a family event on a Sunday that they need to get on the road for and being in church on Sunday morning um, because there's only one time that we offer a service. And if there was an earlier service, they would be in that earlier service and still be able to participate with their family. All of these things have been stumbling blocks for people. And, and reaching people with the love of Jesus, meeting needs, touching lives with compassion, introducing people to Jesus, helping them grow in their faith so that they can be a part of changing the world is the reason we exist as a church. So believe me, we thought prayed and talked a lot about how much easier it would be to not add a second service. But that's not what we came for. We, we came to reach the lost, share the love of Jesus with people, touch lives, make disciples, and change the world. So in two weeks, which is beginning October 8th, don't get ahead of me, show up at 10 o'clock next week, October 8th, we're going to make the change that is going to upset the status quo. It is going to change things. It is going to, in some ways, make things more difficult, and in other ways, it's going to make things easier. It might make some of us a bit uncomfortable, especially those of us who are serving on Sunday mornings, because it's going to mean you might need to get here a little earlier, you might need to stay a little longer, they might need to do a little more. There's going to be a need, and it's going to cost something especially those who are serving. But it's going to open doors for people to meet Jesus. It's going to open doors for people to grow in grace, and that is worth the discomfort. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And if you're a follower of Christ, and whether you're a technical member of the church or not, if you consider yourself a part of this church family, I'm just going to look you in the eye And, and, and I'm going to make this as clear as I possibly can. We need your help. We are called to this mission. We are called to this. We do this together in just the same way as we were called to send um, Nick to the Ukraine, in just the same way as we were called to send Bo and Mim to Africa, in just the same way that we do all of this together and bear one another's burdens. We are called to do this together and we need your help. And, and, and God is going to be calling some of us 
to make some adjustments. And I'm just going to be bold here, and some of you may never come back because I said this. But if you're new around here, but you, this is your church, if you've been coming for three weeks or three months or, or whatever, and, and you're just settling in and you're like, man, we, I really like this church. I think this is the church God's calling us to. I'm just going to tell you, we need you to step up. We, we want you to be a part of the whole church family and not just a spectator. Now, I say that with grace to those who have been coming for three weeks or three months. Some of you have been coming for three years and you're still just watching. Oh, man. I just went from preaching to meddling, <laughs> stepping on toes. So, and, and guys, I'm just saying, God's given us gifts. They're, they're for the calling that we do as a family together. So um, we need more volunteers, especially we need ladies who want to work in the nursery. If you can love on babies, we need your help. Um, and, and I'm asking you to step up because do you see all the kids that walked out when we dismissed them? There's a bunch of young families here and we have an opportunity to minister to those kids from the earliest of ages. It's an incredible opportunity to touch lives. Um, if, you can, if you can be a part of the hospitality team on Sunday mornings, we need your help. If you can pour coffee without pouring it on the person. If you can't, volunteer for something else. But if you can, if you, if you can welcome people and make them feel comfortable, um, if you're willing to, to learn something so you could serve on the tech team, um, there's a whole bunch of ways that we need people to serve. So I'm asking everyone to make it an issue of prayer. Lord, how can I serve? And for whatever reason, it may be that you can't serve in any of these ways that are very practical on Sunday mornings, but you can pray. Well, just write it into your prayer calendar and make it a part of your daily prayer life. Maybe you could financially support in a way that you haven't before. There's all of these ways for us to come together, but our new service starts in two weeks. And so you, you got to get your church center app and you got to go, okay, I'm volunteering. And by the way, you know, Nick was talking about that tugging on the heart thing. You know, if you're sitting here right now going, man, I can't wait to get out of here because I can't believe he's making me feel uncomfortable because I'm not volunteering. <laughs> I'm going to just interpret that for you, you know. When, when in the Bible, when someone speaks in tongues, someone else has to have an interpretation. So let me give you the interpretation of that feeling. It means God wants you to volunteer. <laughs> just so you know. Um, so new service times beginning October 8th, 9.15 and 11. And yes, to answer the question of those who have been hoping this would be the answer, we're restoring the fellowship time between services where you're going to get to interact with everybody. We're going to have food and fellowship out back every uh, week between those two services. Um, I'm, I'm asking you to help them make the transition smooth and impactful. And I'm, I, you know, I honestly have prayed about this because I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm supposed to just say this out loud to people, but I'm going to. Um, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. Number one, set the goal in your life to not miss any services. Don't miss a Sunday in October or November. That, that, if, you can, if you have to, you have to. Everybody understands. But I'm asking you to not miss one you don't have to miss. Because here's what's going to happen. Like, we're going to take the, the 
120 to 150 people who have been showing up on Sunday mornings. We're going to cut that number in half and divide it into two services, only it doesn't cut in half. Some Sundays it's 75% in one service and 25% in the other service. And if you happen to be a new visitor and you walk into that 25% service and you look around and go, man, there's like 36 people here. This church must stink. Let me go find another church. Um, we need people to be here, especially these first couple months, even to the point where if you're able on some Sundays, stay for both services. I promise God will minister to you in the second service just as he ministers to you in the first service. Um, there might be times when God will give you the opportunity to do that. Um, and, and stay at home and watch only if you need to, but not simply because it's easier. So I... That's bold of me to just come right out and say all that stuff out loud. But, but I really believe that God is doing something amazing. This is the third time in our church's history we've gone to two services from one. The first time, the building was too small. We filled it up twice. Then we, uh, then we, so that was number one. We went to two services. Then we, that filled up twice. Then we knocked down the building and built this building. We had to go off campus, and we came back here all in one service, and it grew, and we made it two services. And at the time that we were in, the, in strat, strategizing about when and how to add a third service because it was getting too full, um, that's when COVID hit. And so we went back down to zero services and then one, and now um, it's time to go back to two. So every time it's happened, the Lord has brought us new people and we've reached the lost and people have grown. And so I am beyond excited about this. God is doing an amazing thing. I want us to all be excited. Why are we making this move? Because we're on mission from God, just like the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God, and He wants to change the world through us, you guys. Check out the Church Center app. It'll show you how you can volunteer. If you can't figure out how to do that, come and see me. Come and see Garrett. Come and see Nick. Come and see one of the ministry leaders, and we will help you with that. I cannot wait to see how God uses us together to change the world. Let's stand and pray together. God, it is exciting to just, to just realize that you're moving in our midst and you're doing amazing things and lives are getting touched and lives are getting changed. And, and we want to be available to you, even if it makes us uncomfortable. We want to join in what you're doing instead of doing our own thing. We want to experience your power flowing through us into the lives of others. We want to use our gifts that you have given to us so that we might walk in the good works you prepared for us. And so I pray for each and every one of us. I pray, God, that you would give us your heart for ministry and your compassion for people. I pray, God, that we would be willing to step up and serve however you might call us to, whether that's additional prayer or whether it's encouraging those who are serving, or whether it's volunteering for a new role that we haven't been filling, or whether it's agreeing to just serve even more in the areas we've been serving. Whatever the case, God, I pray that we would, we would lock arms as a church and walk in lockstep with your spirit as you are reaching this community, making disciples of all nations and changing the world. Do it through us, God. We lay ourselves on the altar. Use us for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.